How's everybody doing tonight? Welcome back to another episode of Boys in the Zone. Fun episode tonight. We got my boy Henny from HTM Sports. Uh, go ahead and shout yourself out, man. Uh, let let the people know where they can find you. I'm sure if they're a Cowboys fan, they probably already know about you, but do it anyways. Yeah. Yeah, man. Y'all can find me uh, at HTM Sports on YouTube. Um, Henny the more on Facebook and at more Henny on Twitter. Now, apologies if I cut you off any because my got a little short of my headphones. So let me see if I can get the sound back working right. Say something for me real quick. What up? What up? Are we Gucci now? Yeah, we good now. Are we Gucci? We Gucci. Um, man, a whole lot of stuff to talk about. Honestly, this is the the get right episode for the Cowboys. What we can do during the off season, during draft season, free agency, all of the things that we need to do to set this team's best foot forward for the twenty twenty four season. Um, obviously. I think everybody in Cowboys land knows that it didn't end how we wanted it to bounce in the first round of the playoffs on our home field where we won 16 straight, uh, where we averaged 40 at home, um, where we get an abundance of turnovers. It just seemed like um, everything that could go wrong went wrong in that game. And um, it's unfortunate, but we got to figure out how to fix it. We're all about solutions here and we're going to do that in this episode Hopefully, um, we, we can get the, the, the right necessary things in order. And uh, hopefully, Jerry Jones is tuning in, honestly. Uh, got a shout-out to my guys in the chat. Uh, AJ from Cowboys Can Fan, Vince P, uh, Daniel Barry Sports. Seems like he's from your side. Regina Green, what's up, Henny? Sorry I missed the earlier show. Uh, evening all from Jeff Hollis. And then Doug, what up, EJ? Um, so glad to have everybody in the chat. Um, post some questions for us as well, but we're going to first jump into the first topic, which is Dak Prescott. And my sort of proposed question to you, Henny, is did the Cowboys put too much on Dak's plate? Did they Were they too reliant on him and um, they didn't put the necessary pieces around him? I mean, if, if we're just being honest, the run game, the run blocking – um, those were the big things that, that kind of held us back as an offense. But do you think that they were a little bit too reliant on Dak Prescott? I mean, man, we, we're being honest about our offense and our ability to do anything offensively. It was always been Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb. My boy landlord from Alabama, he came up with a, uh, with a campaign that said Spam Lamb because really that's all your offense has been for majority of the year. Tony Pollard went on like an eight or nine week streak of not scoring a single touchdown. Uh, he had almost 60 more carries from last year and he had less yardage. So he was less efficient. He was less explosive. And, you know, he, he really probably came back a little bit too early from that leg injury. Just broke yeah. his leg in January. He was taking starting running back reps by September. So that uh, that Prescott was tasked with doing a bunch offensively. Because their plan at running back was not very solid. They were relying on an injured Tony Pollard. Uh, when you look at Rico Dow, he was an undrafted free agent out of Florida. While he does have potential, he himself also has an injury history. Matter of fact, this year he had a he was on the injury report for an ankle injury for two months straight. You know, you can go back and, and check that out. So your 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 primary running backs were two guys who were playing through injury. You did not get any real production out of Deuce Vaughn. And Malik Davis is, is somebody that's somehow in the doghouse so your running back room you know was was less than stellar just to put it very very politely and i know a lot of people 
you know, were over Ezekiel Elliott when he left, but we did not actually go out and find anybody else to get us those 12 short yardage touchdowns. It sounds like anybody can do it until it's time to do it. We did yeah. not have anybody that could just bully their way into the end zone like that. We saw what happened when we tried to get Tony Pollard the ball in the, in the end zone multiple times. He had issues getting in. We saw Hunter Lukey fumble at the goal line. And we really didn't even give Rico Dow enough opportunities to know if he was good enough to do it. So Dallas Cowboys playing at, at the run game meant that you had to have a quarterback playing at a high level. The issue is when you get into the postseason, it's a different brand of football. Like yes. every, every team that made it into the championship round could run the football and they could stop the run. They may not have been prolific rushing teams during the course of the regular season, but in the postseason, they were able to be uh, a multifaceted offense that could both run the ball, utilize play action, set up some easy stuff for their quarterbacks, and they were able to run the ball efficiently enough to stay ahead of the chains. We did not have that, nor did we have the, the capability of stopping the run ourselves. We know that Dan Quinn loves using the big nickel formation. You know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in this in this last game that we lost, we used big nickel in over 40 of our 58 uh, defensive staff. And that really didn't cut it. We saw that Aaron Jones was able to have over 100 yards rushing, three rushing touchdowns on the ground. And if we're just being honest, the Dallas Cowboys lost the football game the way they always lose a football game. Teams were able to run the football. They did not have to get into uh, obvious passing situations, so we could not utilize our pass rush. And it all fell on the shoulders of Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb. And it just didn't happen this time. Yeah. And I think that looking at some of those other playoff games that we got to watch over the weekend, especially Championship Sunday, you saw defenses that were able to buy their offenses time to come back and score. Like Detroit, they got up big on the Niners. Uh, I think it was like 21 points at one point, or maybe only 17, something like that. But either way, they got that huge lead, and then it was the Niners' defense, obviously aided by some drops and stuff like that by the, the Lions, and then Dan Campbell just kind of dumb coaching. But regardless... Their defense stepped up when they needed to. And I think, I mean, maybe I'm on my own island with this idea, but Dan Quinn, since the time he's been here, the run defense hasn't been good. Now, you can date that back. You can date that back Pat, uh, earlier than Dan Quinn, sure. But I'm just saying for as good as he is as a defensive coordinator, that's one of the deficiencies that we have continually seen year after year after year. You went and addressed it or thought you had addressed it in the uh, first round of the draft. I was on record of saying Mozzie Smith was a second-round guy to me. I wouldn't spend the first-round pick on him. Uh -huh. um, you know, he we draft him regardless. He's a star on his helmet. I'm going to root for him. But now he's lost all this weight, was a non-factor year one. Now he has to regain that weight to even be a one-tech um, or a true nose tackle. It's, it's one of those things that's kind of dumbfounding to me. And that's why, and, and we were kind of talking before the show a little bit about Ben, ben Johnson and um, Bobby Slowick are staying with their respective teams, so that opens the door for possibly a Dan Quinn departure. Who is a defensive coordinator that you want to see step into that role if Dan Quinn does leave? I mean, we're being honest about the, the current situation of the Dallas Cowboys. There are not really a bunch of candidates that probably would want to come to Dallas and hitch their wagon to Mike McCarthy knowing that there's a possibility of him being a dead man walking, right? You, you're not going to probably get a bright, you know, bright eyed, uh, young up and coming def defensive coordinator to come here when Mike McCarthy only has a year left on his contract. So, you know, 
nine times out of ten, the Dallas Cowboys are going to uh they're probably gonna just promote from within. I probably I feel nine times out of ten it will be Joe Witt. Uh if Dan Quinn leaves, Al Harris already said that he wants to go with him. You know, he's on record of saying that. So odds Joe, are you said yeah. Witt Witt said yeah. that? No, Al Harris. Yeah, yeah, Al Harris said he, that he's uh will probably lead with Dan Quinn, but Joe Witt would probably be the person that gets promoted from within the uh the organization. So I have okay. mixed feelings about Dan Quinn myself because I feel one of his issues is his inability to, where I should say, refusal to match personnel. Uh, even the Buffalo Bills after the Buffalo Bills game. Josh Allen came out and said that was not the original plan to run the football as much as they ran the football. He said they just noticed that every time that they went with heavy formations, they would come out in 22 personnel, 21 personnel, 13 personnel. And Dan Quinn would just leave his his big nickel out there. He'll leave his dime packages out there. So they made a concerted effort after they saw that to continue to run the football. Initially, you know, they were going to go in and play play the game how they normally play. They're going to have Josh Allen throw the ball all around the yard. But those are things that you just can't have, right? You're all, you're already a smaller defense. You don't you don't have, you know, superb size along your front as it is, and you're already playing guys out of position. I like Marquise Bill, but he's a safety, man. Like having a 205-pound man taking on – uh, pulling guards and pulling tackles is is not ideal for you, right? He now he's a better man than me. You know what I'm saying? Like it takes it takes some balls to go out there and, and do what he's doing. So I respect him as a player, but I just think he's not he's not big enough to be doing the job that they asked him to do. Same thing with J. Run Curse. So there are some upsides to it. Of course, you're better in coverage, right? You're faster, but yeah. when a team decides they want to run the football and just bludgeon you. Uh, physically, you have no answers to it. At least you don't. At least you have not shown me that you have answers to it. Because, like you said, since 2021, they've been a middle of the pack or a subpar run defense the entire time that he's been here. Well, and the only reason why that even looks good is because you've jumped out to leads with your electric offense, and then that forces the opposing team to have to pass the ball. Um, but what you said about Dan Quinn hitting and sticking in that nickel—that's basically the Cowboys base defense like and there's so many talks about three four four three now the cowboys are like a four two team because they remove that linebacker and they stick in a db in place of that that's what a nickel is a dime is, is six dbs on the field if you guys don't know that but mm-hmm. regardless of it it's it's one of those things it's so dumbfounding about how we we don't match we don't match the physicality from the offense the offense dictates what happens as a defense if they substitute you have by rule these the same uh, ability to substitute and match that personnel whatever they bring it in so if they are stuck in those 22 personnels with two running back two tight ends whatever it is and they're going heavy um they bring in the extra linemen we've got to get some guys that are in and hankins i love hankins he's one of my he, he follows me on twitter he's one of those dudes but we can't just rely solely on Hankins. We got to get another big nasty in there because it seems like Hankins gets hurt at the worst time in the year, and then he comes back and he's not fully ready to go. It, it, we've got to invest a, um, a, another pick in that, or we have to sign somebody like a DJ Reader, um, you know, a Justin Matabike, somebody from another team that is proven that they they want to they want to be that that guy in the trenches. 
And with some of these guys in, in this uh, free agency class, they not only give you the run aspect, but they give you some pass rush. And that's exactly what you were looking for in that Mozzie Smith pick that you haven't got uh, to this point. So it's one of those things, man. Um, I, I want to bring up this comment uh, up here from Falcon. Um, he says, I want Al Harris just knowing how the defense rallies around him. And I would agree. I, I really like Al Harris and what he's I done do with too. this DB group. Um, but apparently Dallas has had some back channel talks with Ron Rivera. Um, which brings me to my 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 other question. Are the Cowboys too um, set in their old ways with going after these kind of old crusty coaches that have fallen out of favor with other organizations? And we bring them in like, hey, hey, we know you were good five years. 10 years ago, uh, maybe you can be good again with our personnel. No, get some innovative minds. Like, uh, speak on that, Henny. Man, in, in my opinion, with the way that they run their organization, you, you people aren't lining up to come to Dallas like that, man. If we're, if we're being honest. Like, guys are not lining up to come to, come to Dallas because there is a bunch of front office interference, right? Because yeah. Think about uh, what what uh, Mike McCarthy has to go through as the head coach. He did not even get the opportunity to pick his own offensive coordinator. They kept yeah. Kellen Moore because that was their guy. They liked him. Uh, they wanted to groom him and bring him along. Mike McCarthy probably did not want Kellen Moore initially, and then they eventually fell out, and he got him out of here, and he and he started calling plays himself. Like I don't really think uh, – uh, up, uh, up and coming offensive mind wants to wants to come to Dallas. There's there's too much stuff going on uh, up top. As long as the, as Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones run, run their own interference, because you got to remember, like Jerry Jones did not even talk to Mike McCarthy about bringing in Trey Lance. He made that call on his own. I'm not yeah. even sure if he talked talked to Will McClay about it. So yeah. it's hard to say that folks would like listen. And we probably do. We need some young minds. The game changes. It's, it's usually a young man's sport. So you need some uh, some inventive guys with the way that this uh, the, the, uh, the NFL is moving. There's a lot of motion, a lot of different uh, different sets. Uh, so there's there's a lot of innovations that they've been making to these uh, modern to these modern offenses and to these modern defenses, right? But the Dallas Cowboys are not like this luxury destination. Like Jerry Jones runs the show. Uh, no, no matter if you're the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and we even had players come out and speak. You know, Cole Beasley said, uh, "Who's who's ever getting the money is going to get the targets." Right? He came out and said that they they were trying to dictate targets. Dez Bryant recently said they're trying to di- we're trying to dictate targets and different things like that. So I'm mm-hmm. not really sure uh, somebody can come to come to Dallas and flourish the way that they they want to. I don't think it's like this super attractive lo- location. They the Dallas Cowboys might be stuck. With getting guys on the on their way out of the out of the league, because you got to think about it, Mike McCarthy for some time there was question if he was going to coach in the NFL again. Dan Quinn uh, wasn't wasn't looked at in high regard because of what happened uh, in Atlanta. So everybody ends up here, like you said, they're on their second, third, fourth chance. Yeah, no, you. I, I, it's one of those things, man. At some point, you've got to take a step back as an owner and realize, listen, whatever I've been doing these last 29 years has not worked. Maybe I am too hands-on. You look at the Chiefs. Obviously, they had Patrick Mahomes. But they had a worse record than you this year. They had to go on uh, and play road playoff games, and they are in the Super Bowl. 
because the players buy into that head coach, they buy into that culture. The owners are hands off. They they're they're not seen like that. They're not chilling with the players. Um, it, it's one of those things, man. The culture surrounded and cultivated by Jerry Jones is that of you know a reality TV show. It's it's like keeping up with the Kardashians, just keeping up with the Joneses, man. It, it's it's frustrating frustrating to watch as a fan because at some point we just want to see some change and some new creative thought and it seems like we get these old guys in continually um and and i'm not saying that dan quinn or mike mccarthy are bad coaches it's just when you hire guys like that they've been around the league so long that they're like hey I wonder if my buddy from 12 years ago wants to come out of retirement and come coach with me and help me out. Right. We have like literally we have somebody on staff right now that coached with with Tom Landry. Like that's how old somebody is on our staff. It, it it's one of those things, man. We've got to find the young the young guys that bring in that new thought process. And that's why I like Al Harris. He's a young guy. He's not afraid to talk to his players as if they were his like sons or something like that, which is talking to them sternly in a fatherly fatherly way like yo i expect more out of you guys not the buddy buddy talk he's like hey i need you he's always pulling him he telling him that uh he's proud of them like that is this type of stuff i want to see for the entire uh, organization and i think mike is a good coach i really do i don't i don't really mind mike um coming back but at the same time, you're the head coach. It all falls on you. So your defense not performing like they should have, um, getting 40 dropped on your head uh, you know, at your own house to a Packers team that hadn't scored 40 points all year is just downright embarrassing, man. It, it really is. And um, that brings me to my next question, I guess, is was this kind of the best opportunity that the Cowboys have had in some mem- like some time to get to the Super Bowl like the path to the Super Bowl in my opinion seems so much easier um uh, evidently not but it seemed like that from the outside <laughs> looking in you know uh Packers that were you know they weren't the same Packers team as we we're accustomed to seeing they didn't have that um, Hall of Fame quarterback at the helm. Then you probably had to face, you know, a Lions team that you've already beat at your house. Then obviously that's your real test against the Niners. But man, it, it seems so so much right in front of us that it could not not be attained, and yet we fell flat on our face. Man, talk about that. In my personal opinion, like it was set up for us to make a run, but at the same token, like we 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 just talked about the glaring flaws of the Dallas Cowboys. You know what I'm saying? We just talked about us not being able to stop the run and then having to try and stop the Lions run game again. And we talked about not being able to stop the run and trying to stop the 49ers with Christian McCaffrey again to, in order to get to a Super Bowl. We talked about not being able to run the football and possibly putting too much pressure on Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb. So from a holistic standpoint of us having a, being a two-seed, having two guaranteed home games, we handle business. We dropped the ball in that in that regard. But when, like we said, when we compare our team top to bottom to these other uh, NFL rosters that are making moves, we don't really stack up. You look at our linebacker room. Uh, mm-hmm. Depleted by injury. Leighton Vander is not there. The Morvian Overshone, not there. You got safeties playing linebacker. You got Damone Clark, who's been struggling all year long, uh, playing meaningful snaps for you. You cut uh, Evans because of uh, you really weren't playing him any damn way. Right. Then you look at your uh, your cornerbacks. 
Oh, Trayvon Diggs gone for the entire season after uh, two weeks. Yeah. Uh, the run bland while he had the interception uh, record, you know, for the return touchdowns. He's give, he's given up quite a bit of, of yardage uh, in the back half of the season. Same goal for Stephon Gilmore, who's a little bit long in the tooth. So top to bottom, you know, when, when you look, do you do you talk about the issues along the offensive line? Uh, Terrence Steele was awful. We're just we're just being honest about it because I like Terrence Steele. I stood on the table for him to get paid. He did not live up to his contract this year, possibly yeah. due to his injury, but he didn't play well. Uh, Beatis did not play well at all in the at the center position. So you had some holes. Like I believe the Dallas Cowboys can put more talented teams together and have better shots, especially. Uh, with the way that this schedule should be lining up next year. Because think about it. The Giants are still awful. The uh, the Commanders are still awful. The Philadelphia Eagles have not won a game in Dallas since They're changing, two- changing both their coordinators yeah. again. Yep. Yeah, changing both coordinators, and they haven't won a game in Dallas since 2017. So you're at least going to split with them. That's five wins right there. Right then, you get to get an opportunity to play the Panthers again. They probably still won't be very good. You get an opportunity to play the Atlanta Falcons. They probably won't be very good. Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a had a piss poor defense. They probably won't be exceptional uh, this upcoming season. Right, probably gonna so lose you Evans have too. an opportunity to win another 11, 12 games just with the way that the schedule falls. Even some of your tougher matchups, you get them at the crib. You play the Ravens in Dallas, mm. right? So. You got an opportunity to get back to 12, the 12 and 5, to 13 and 4, wherever you may get. And hopefully, man, you have a better team because we're, we're, we've been one dimensional. And listen, this is a team that has given up damn near 29 points per game when they play a team with a winning record. Yeah. Right. That's not play. That's not a, that's not a championship caliber defense. We like Micah. We like D Law. We like, you know, we, we, we got love for these players. But we're yeah. being completely honest. If you give up 29 points every time you see a playoff caliber team, you're probably not going to win a Super Bowl. No. Right? No, I mean, I, I, you, you, and, and this is where, I, uh, where I'm at with it. So I think the Dallas Cowboys did piss away a, a good opportunity, but I also know that they had a, a bunch of flaws that probably would have kept us from the promised land anyway. Yeah. No, you've got a good point. You You hit the nail on the head. I think that it starts with looking at what the four four last teams in the playoffs had. They all had at least one good linebacker. I don't think that we have any. Um, you can say Clark is is good. I tend to I tend to I, differ with that I, thought. I, I, I just don't think, don't think that. Well. Yeah, I just don't. I, I don't think that he sees it well. I think that he needs another linebacker next to him that really is like a Sean Lee cut from that cloth that that understands the game at a different level. Um, to really get get the best out of him, uh, but yeah, I mean Baltimore, they have those two. Um, you talk about the Niners, they have those two, and 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 uh, yeah, Greenlaw and uh, Warner, and then uh, the Chiefs have a really good linebacker as well, and uh, Jack Campbell for the Lions is pretty well, uh, pretty good for a rookie, and then you talk about center play, man. Tyler Biotish has not been good enough. Um, he was dealing with a little bit of injuries this year, but. Overall, I think that all of those teams, at least three or four, I think the Niners don't really have a great center, but three of the four teams right there have really good centers. Mm-hmm. And that that helps so, so much. 
Um, just having somebody that can get up there and get to that second level and help when, when your guards aren't getting getting right and, they, and he doesn't have a, a rusher coming from the interior like that. Um, a good center could be the most important. I know everybody says left tackle, but it could be the most important offensive line uh, position if you have a great one. Um, you think about the Eagles and Jason Kelsey and what he meant for that team, uh, dictating you know protection for Jalen Hurts and understanding uh, leverage by how the defense aligns and saying, no, hey, I'm going to go this way on the run. We're going this way. I don't care what you say. Outruling your captain, your quarterback, like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Like That's the championship pedigree. And obviously they didn't do anything with that, but they made it to the Super Bowl last year. You talk about all three of the four teams that were in the uh, deep in the playoffs had really good centers that they invested um, capital in. And it's it's one of those things, man. I, I really want to see the Cowboys address those weaknesses. Center, linebacker, um, those big nasties in the trenches that can stop the run. I'm not just talking about Hankins. We need more than just one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you right there with – um, the respects of, yeah, our flaws probably would have shown up. It just showed up a hell of a lot earlier than what I was ex- anticipating. Um, did you have anything else to say on about that? Oh, shit. Like, I was, I did a show with Boss Cowboy and uh, Landlord from Alabama. Uh, when we were talking, and this was before the playoff uh, teams were selected for us because they were still playing to see what the seventh seed was. I said then that the Packers were the were the last team that I wanted to see just based on the way they were playing. Uh, we already know, know Aaron Jones has had three, now three, right? Three great games against the Dallas Cowboys the last three times that he played us. Um, and really, when you talk about Jordan Love, he was second in the league in, 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 in passing touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like, I know that they didn't have a great uh, arsenal of wide receivers, and that was made it even more impressive. So he was and young guys, young special. guys that they addressed in the draft. They realized that, hey, we don't really uh, uh, spend high draft capital on wide receivers. Let's change that thought process and go get some guys. They got Romeo Dobbs. They got Christian Watson. They got uh, Jaden Reed out there. Those are three uh, really good wide receivers that are young guys that, that had huge plays in that game. Then you talk about uh, Musgrave and then um, the other tight end. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. Tucker Craft, mm-hmm. and uh, all of those guys are young guys, and they they played well for that team, man. It's it's frustrating, man. But um, we got a uh, Regina in the chat said we got Hoff. What what's your thoughts on the these two young guys, um, Hoffman and TJ Bass? Well, TJ Bass was my pet cat coming out of the draft. Yep. I really I really liked him a lot. And, you know, I, I said uh, that T.J. Bass would be a plug-and-play player well before um, or fifth-round pick. And actually, T.J. Bass had a had a higher draft grade than him. T.J. Bass had was a, had a fourth-round grade on him coming out. And, you know, I don't, I'm not really sure how he ended up falling, uh, falling to being an undrafted free agent, but I'm thank God for that. Yeah. Right? But uh, I, I really like T.J. Bass. Yeah. Um, but in regard to Hoffman, I think he was a, a more of a surprise for me. I didn't really expect Hoffman to, to show me anything, but he was good, especially our run game looked way different. It looked way better when Hoffman and TJ Bass were in there uh, playing side by side. Yeah. And and we and listen, we I, I give Tony Powell a, a very hard time because he didn't live up to the $10 million that we gave him this year. But at the same time, like the offensive line did him no favors. Facts. It, 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 no, it did him no favors. 
I, I completely agree with you with, with Tony Pollard. Like, I think that he did rush back a little bit from the injury and, and wanted to prove that he was that bell cow kind of back that could run in between the tackles and get the tough yards. And I feel like he did a little bit too much of that at times where he would, uh, Tony Pollard of the past would try to evade and, and juke the defender and, and get extra yards. He, he was trying to go Zeke mode and like lower his head and lower his shoulder into people. And it just, it's not him. It's not what made him great. Um, but then on that, on uh, coming back to the full circle thing, just the run blocking was not good. I think that they really lacked that mentality of, um, we're the offensive line and we do the dirty work and uh you know we don't get our proper dues from doing that stuff but we have that chip on our shoulder and we have that uh pride in that stuff and it just didn't seem like that was very evident for this team uh i know that there was a lot of injuries along the offensive line terrence Steele coming back from his injury uh zach martin i think declined a little bit from what we are accustomed to seeing him uh, you know, do, but maybe that is because he was having to help both Tyler Biotish and steal a little bit more than uh, he typically does. Tyler Smith was great. Uh, mm -hmm. Needs to cut down on uh, some penalties, obviously, but obviously. Um, he's his improvement is uh, dramatic. He got an all-pro nod uh, this year, I believe, and it, it's, it's just going to continue to go up for that guy. Tyron Smith played excellent. And um, when he was in there, but when he wasn't, when the Chuma Adogas of the world had to kick out there, um, it was bad. Just miscues uh, leading to us getting behind the chains and having to call on Dak and, and rely on him a little bit too much in third and long opportunities. Um, so I, I, I trust that this offensive line has something in Hoffman and in TJ Bass. I just don't want to put all of our eggs in the basket because offensive linemen, it's not like tight end where you have one guy on the field or two if you're really heavy um, and, you know, 20 or uh, 12 personnel kind of things or 22 personnel. Mm -hmm. um, so if you do happen to draft a guy early on uh, second round, if if he plays, uh, you know, he's if he's a swing tackle or something or he plays the next year after one of your other guys retire – that's completely okay to me. I don't. I wouldn't throw shade at it like I did the Luke Schoonmaker pick because I felt good about Jake Ferguson at that time. I felt pretty good about Hendershot, but he right. was kind of a disappointment as well this year. I'm I'm kind of interested to see what John Stevens Jr. has in the tank. Um, coming off of that ACL injury, I, I believe it was ACL at least. It's ACL. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see some of these young guys, especially Hoffman, Bass, uh, John Stevens Jr. Um, just off the top of my uh, off the top of my head right there an overshone also as well coming back but yeah we we just got to get better figure it out and uh let's just jump straight into um i guess the the um let me get it get my stuff up here real quick take your time why you doing that uh shout out okay. to uh numb hand neil for the five dollar super chat he says spend the money we're about to clear on some top free agents to stop the run specifically two dts two linebackers on offense get a running back offensive lineman and maybe even a wide receiver that's not a bad idea man matter of fact do you want to do you want to use that to segue into some uh some cap talk yeah yep let's get straight into the cap talk honestly um, so these are the up-and-coming free agents that the Cowboys have here. Tony Pollard, 70.6% of the snaps that he played. Doris Armstrong, 41.7% of the snaps. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, 87.2%. So that's a 
big, big portion. You're going to have to look for somebody else outside, um, especially relying on Diggs to come back fully healthy, 100% off that ACL. Uh, Tyron Smith, we already talked about him being so good. Um, and then J. Ron Curse, 76.6% of the snaps. Jordan Lewis, 68.4. Dante Fowler, 25.2. Jonathan Hankins, 32.8. And Neville Gallimore, 26.9. Um, out of those names, like who sticks out to you the most? Who do you think that we should let go? Who do you think that we should re-sign and chat? Uh, put your input in, in there as well, man. Uh, for me, Tyrus Smith is somebody I'm bringing back expeditiously. And this is like a full 180 for me because before, uh, before the season started in the off season, I was full, you know, seeing Tyrus Smith out the pasture because he don't play enough. You know what I mean? Yep. Like he had only played a total of 17 games in the last three years, if I'm not mistaken. So he only gave you a season worth of football games in a three-year stretch. So I liked him. You know, I, I always acknowledge he was a great player when he played. It's just, you know, the old cliche, the best uh, best ability is availability. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't giving me a lot of availability at the time. But now he's played double-digit games for me. He's been a pro bowler, all-pro, and he showed up. You know, he showed up in the uh in the playoff game. He was available for that. So, yeah. and I don't really want to go super young at, at left tackle, right? I know what I can get from Tyron Smith if he's out there playing. Still wouldn't stop me from drafting a left tackle since apparently they're stu- too stubborn to ever move Tyler Smith back out the left tackle again. So, since they don't want to do that, you can still bring him back, team-friendly deal, incentivize the contract, as, as somebody in the chat box said. And then... Uh, you can still draft you another left tackle in the first or the second round to develop and to be the heir apparent to him. So I would definitely bring back Tyron Smith, and I probably would also bring back Jonathan Hankins uh, just because I don't really have anybody else right now. I still would sign um, another defensive tackle as well. I would bring in a DJ Reader, a Sheldon Rankins, somebody that gives me a little bit more – bang for my book so to speak and also sign hankins back because hankins only cost us like a million dollars this this last season yeah. so when you, when you think about guy. him only cost you a, a million bucks or so uh i think you got your money worth for the most part out of, out of hankins because you like he yeah. was cheap so whatever he gave you was, was pretty was pretty decent but i still would bring him back for the cheap bring tyra smith in but as for uh stefan gilmore and some of these other guys that are a little bit longer in the tooth, I don't even know how healthy Stephon Gilmore will be because he just had surgery, if I'm not mistaken, right? I don't know. I, 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 it, I, it I think he did have to have uh, be surprising. shoulder surgery. Yeah, no, you're right because he, he played through the torn labrum or something like that, right? Yeah, so. Yeah, so, yep. No guarantee that he'll even be. Oh, um, up to par, right? Because he had some decline. He would listen. He played better than I thought he would this year, but he still was was not, you know, a corner that I wanted to just leave on these fast guys. We're in the NFL now, where damn near everybody runs four threes. You're yeah. you're thirty years old. You 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 probably lost a bit of a step. So, yeah, man. Like I like I like Gilmore, but you know, I just need a young, a younger corner. That can uh that has a little bit more speed, you know, come come out there and, and do something for me. And you know, 
I know we get Trey back, but I, I'm still concerned about that. Everybody that's come back from injury for the Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. has not looked like themselves. TP didn't. Um, Donovan yeah. Wilson, Donovan Wilson didn't even look like himself, right? He he just came yeah. off of a five sack season, and you know he didn't come on really until uh the the last part of the season. Jordan Lewis, you can throw in there as well. Yeah, Jordan Lewis coming back from a Lynn, Lynn Frank uh injury in the foot, so. Yeah, a lot of the guys that come back from injury don't usually look like themselves right off the bat. So even though we get, we're going to get tra- uh, number seven back out, it may not be Trayvon Diggs, all, you know, all the way. Yeah, we've got like some some split people in the in the comment section right here. Some people are saying bring Gilmore back. He's a he's a cheap uh, player and a good veteran leadership. Some people are saying nah, we don't want Gilmore back. Need to get younger um, in the CB two position. I guess he's playing bland in the slot more. Um, no, I completely agree with the Tyron stuff. I was in the, you know, understanding of like, hey, Tyron is that progress stopper. He's he's there when you, you know, early on in the season, but he's going to eventually go down. And then you're looking around like, oh, God, who do, who do we have to replace him? And uh, I didn't want to do that anymore. But this year, man, they figured something out with him, not having him practice, really just bubble wrapping him and allowing him to um, be that veteran that he is. Like, there's nothing that you could throw at Tyron Smith right now in his career that he hasn't seen. Uh And so with that experience, with that veteran savvy, he probably doesn't need to practice all the time. And yes, it it comes with a little bit of chemistry, uh, you know, stuff that, that he doesn't get of, you know, kind of, iron out with Tyler Smith, but at the end of the day, man, his health is more important than that little bit of chemistry that they would have uh, in communication and stuff like that. And, and beside that, they go through walkthroughs, they go through, um, you know, pregame and they talk about stuff and they, they, they're in film session together. They understand stuff. It's not like he's not um, ever talking to Tyler Smith or whatever playing right next to him. So it's one of those things, man. I would like Tyron Smith back. I think that you can get him to stay for a cheaper deal and a team-friendly deal. He did it last time, uh, last year, restructured his deal, helped you out with that. And I truthfully think that he he's one of those players, man. He has helped the Cowboys over and over in the past. I think that he really does want to end his career as a Cowboy. And I think that he's going to take a deal to stay here in Dallas because he wants to be one of those cornerstone pieces that helped us get to a Super Bowl and uh, not one of those guys that we're in the memory of, man, I wish we would have won a Super Bowl with him. I don't want to see a DeMarcus Ware situation with Tyron Smith where he goes to the Chiefs or somebody like that, and he goes and wins a Super Bowl. I do not want to see that again. Um, So keep Tyron Smith on this team. Uh, Jonathan Hankins, we already agreed on that. Cheap. He's one of your only run stuffers. Um, uh, Another veteran that hopefully if we get somebody in the draft or we get a younger guy, uh, that we can kind of mold, that he can teach. Um, I think that, um, and this is a big one. I don't even know if he was on the graphic. Maybe I missed him, but Tyler Biotish, I'm moving on from Tyler Biotish. I, I, I think that he lacks power. Um, I just feel like he's not good enough in the run game. Um, I, I think he's smart. I just don't think that his physically he's good enough. Are you kind of on the same page? What What's your thoughts on Tyler Biotish, man? Man, I think that Tyler Biotis is an upgradable position uh, right there, and I like him. You know, what I'm saying I, I think he's a, uh, I think he's a, a decent player. You know, you got what you got, all you can ask from a fourth round pick. But I think I would, like you said, like I think you need a, a stronger uh, center 
I do you need somebody that can actually get uh get to the second level, get those blocks? Cause listen, a lot of the issues that we had running the football was right directly in the middle of the of the uh, of the offensive line. Like if if I'm not mistaken, the Dallas Cowboys averaged under a yard per attempt for runs up the middle. Yeah, that's not really horrible. it's not really that's not really a calling card of a good uh of good or center play in the run game, man. So I again I like them. But, you know, I think that's definitely a position you can upgrade over. And listen, it, it's very hard to find a, a good center on an open market because teams don't usually let them get there. So you'll probably have to spend a, a higher draft pick on a center you can call your own and develop. You might maybe you want to go with a with a Brock Hoffman who seems to play with a little bit more power, as you mentioned. Uh, he plays and, with the mentality of like I want to hit you and I want to bury you every single time I lay my hand on you and that's what I want in my center. I think that Tyler Biotis has that mentality where he's kind of that you know kind of uh, hair on fire, which I guess you know he's a redhead, so that's kind of funny. Right, but, right. Uh, regardless, I think that he plays with that. I just don't think he's strong enough to physically impose his power down after down after down and then get back up and let the defender know about it. I think that he gets overwhelmed a little bit so he can't play with that edge. And that's a big thing. You know, I think that, that, that we we're lacking those, those guys that play with the edges, those Jake Ferguson's. I want every single guy on my offense and defense to be that kind of guy. That's going to, that's going to be up in your ear after a good play and let the defender or the uh, offensive player know if, if they made a play on them. I want that Jake Ferguson getting up and, and, and signaling the first down in somebody's face. I want that, man. Yeah, and that's a good mentality to have, man, because, hey, you, the other the other players on the team will feed off stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We, we, like you said, we've seen, we seen it with Jake. We've seen it when, uh, with Dak Prescott when he's flexing in, in, uh, in, in, in the defender's faces after he runs them over for a first down, you know, like in the Seattle game. So, like, I want my team to play with a little bit of an edge, man. You know, and I want them to play with that edge regardless of the other of the score. Because you know, when the when we played the Green Bay Packers, if you saw, if you saw the sound bite, they came in here. They said we were front runners. They said we we're gonna punch us in the mouth, and they were gonna just have their way. And they did it. They yeah. said what they were gonna do, and they did it. I need my team to be able to go out there and hold their nuts. I need them to to take to not take any kind of disrespect like that and to play with a chip on their shoulders. But listen, you should have all the motivation that's the world being a player for the Dallas Cowboys. Everybody hates you. The na national media hates you. A lot of the a lot of the players around the league think y'all are overrated and get too much coverage and, and everything else. So like you should naturally have a chip on your shoulder to want to prove something prove these people wrong. Yeah. So I need somebody with that mentality to to be able to handle that because that's that's something that's prevalent in the culture of the Dallas, of the Dallas Cowboys right now. It's, it's a it's a bunch of Hollywood stuff going on right now. I need some real gangsters and some real ballers to come in here and you know right the ship. Absolutely. Talking about this this um, both corners that are on the free agency market now uh, with the Cowboys, Jordan Lewis, Gilmore uh, proposes this "Would you rather" question. Would you rather go with Gilmore? shift bland back into the slot have digs on the outside roll or would you rather jordan lewis into the slot bland and digs on the outside if you had to pick one or the other gun to my head i bring i bring gilly back before i bring jordan lewis back only because the run bland in the slot is probably a better player than the run bland the uh the boundary corner mm. so i would still have my all pro 
um, corner on the outside. I'll have a veteran corner on the outside, and then I'll have the run bland back uh back in the in the middle of my defense. And I can still bring in another corner, you know, that's that I can groom behind Stefan Gilmore, or that can come in if, if Gilly gets nicked again or or whatever to, to play on the outside. So I think when you put the run bland back in the slot, you'll get better results because you got some mixed mixed results for the run bland towards the end of the season. You know, he got ate up by DK Metcalf. He got ate up in the commander's game. He did not have a good showing in the playoff game. So there were some games that the run bland got picked on and, and dudes targeted him and went, went after him. And, you know, he was probably the best corner that you had and they still bullied him. So I think the moving the run, uh, the run bland back to the slot helps him helps our overall defense and it also helps with some of the looks that we can we can show. Like yeah. I believe I believe, you know, part of the reason why we played so much zone in that uh in that playoff game is because of the Stefan Gilmore injury. Right. I, I believe that they tried to protect him. They didn't want him to, uh trying to play bump and run with that bad shoulder. So they they switched the zone in my opinion. I don't think that you had that issue if Gilmore was healthy, if Trayvon Diggs was out there and if you had to run Bland back in the slot, you could you could man up all day in that look as long as everybody is healthy. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I think that, um, and the snaps agree with that. It, it was I think eighty seven percent of the snaps for Gilly and and only sixty eight point eight for um, uh, Jay Lewis. Lewis. I I think that you have something in uh, Israel Mukwamu in the slot. We saw it last year in the playoffs. I think that he he can transition into that slot role if you need him to be. Um, another name that wasn't on my list, I just didn't feel like including him was Noah Igbenogany. So we have three corners now, uh, that are headed to free agency. So corners, a a position of need in the draft for sure. Um, add that on to, you know, already the linebacker, already the running back, offensive tackle center. There's a lot of holes and, um, we got to figure out what to do in free agency. That all is set up by this Zach Martin do 28.5 million you can save 12.5 million with a restructure Trayvon Diggs 7.9 million saved um, if you restructure him those two contracts supposedly are already in the works of trying to restructure and figure those things out the other names I have here are Terrence uh, Steele which could uh-huh. save you 4.9 mil and then shifting over to here, you got Brandon Cooks. Depending on what you do, he's on the last year of his contract. But if you want to really push your chips in, uh, you can save $4.5 million with him. And then Demarcus Lawrence, you could save $4.3 mil with him in the restructure. Um, obviously, I anticipate Dak Prescott's going to get that extension that will help with some cap relief as well. Um, do you look at those five contracts, and um, in particular those last three, as contracts you would willing to be willing to um, move around their money to go all in and and try to get somebody in that free agency class you got the patrick queens you got the chris jones um uh, uh justin matabike's um there's so many derrick henry saquon barkley you list goes on and on and on um is that something you would look to, to do or uh where are you at on that I would listen. I, I'm making all the roster moves. Honestly, I'm restructuring Zach Martin. Like I'm restructuring uh, Trayvon Diggs. One that you ain't put up there. I'm cutting Michael Gallup for the for the ten million dollars savings. You know, post post June first cut is yeah, like I'm nine cutting, point. Yeah, I'm like nine point five and and rush. I think you've you've already you've made your bed with Trey Lance. You got to mm-hmm. roll with him. You got to cut 
cut Cooper Rush. Yeah, so that and like you mentioned, the Dak Prescott extension saves you about twenty six point two million dollars against the cap. Uh, CD Lamb extension saves you about thirteen million dollars because he'll he'll be playing on his fifth year option, and that's quite a bit of, a bit of money right there. But an extension you can you can move some of that money around and save about thirteen million dollars against the cap. The Dallas Cowboys honestly can 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 clear about sixty to seventy million dollars in cap room with just a couple of moves. I know you're twenty million dollars in the hole, but having 50 million dollars in cap space you can go do some real shopping improving your team and you'll get to keep the young core together so yeah i'm definitely making making most of those moves and i like brandon cooks i don't i don't mind having brandon cooks around for one more year right because because listen because you're gonna have to do something at the other wide receiver position anyway yeah i think that brandon cooks took a little bit to get accustomed to the offense, but once he got going, he was very good. He was he was a much better red zone target than I gave him credit for. I think that looking at the Texans, uh, whenever he was with Houston, he wasn't a big uh, red zone threat there. And quite frankly, whenever he scored a touchdown, it was probably like a 20-yard uh, go or post route or something like that. So... Um, with how good he was on that, you know, over and 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 uh, the the seven routes and stuff like that, um, I, I was surprised about that. So keep him. Obviously, he's already on contract, um, but you can restructure him, which pushes the money to to dead cap next year. But if you really, really feel like, hey, we're we're not uh, um, extending Mike McCarthy, we're gonna go for it. Um, this 2024 season, you got to move around the money and you got to go after these guys in free agency, which brings me to free agency. We already talked about the guys that we would probably keep. Who is somebody from another team? If, if I told you, hey, money's not an option, here's your guy. You can only pick one from another team and they're not going to franchise tag, uh, nothing. He's going to get to free agency. Who do you want out of those big name guys? It would probably either be Patrick Queen or Bobby Wagner, depending on how, uh, how you view them at, at this point of their career. Of course, Bobby Wagner is, is a little bit older, but it will be a little bit cheaper. But Patrick Queen is a damn good linebacker, and he's the kind of linebacker that we haven't had, right? And it's not it's not that he's a, even this, this huge linebacker. You know, Patrick Queen isn't a, isn't a huge guy, but he's a real linebacker that's not scared of contact. He knows how to shed blocks. Uh, he can he can get up the field, impact the run game. You can blitz someone and impact the pass game. So I like Patrick Queen, and you know I think if you had a linebacking room of Patrick Queen, uh, Demarvin Overshone, and you know uh, either Damone Clark or another guy that you bring in, I think you have a much better linebacking room. But you know I'm looking at, at any linebacker right now. So either a Patrick Queen, either uh, a Bobby Wagner. Uh, Devonte David, uh, I wouldn't mind bringing him in. Uh, Devin White, somebody. I just need a real linebacker and not a and not a hybrid safety playing the role. Yeah, I I think honestly, if you told me you could have anybody, it would be Chris Jones for me. Chris I Jones, I think that okay, he he's one. exactly who you want Mozzie to be. He's good in the run department, and he's a hell of a pass rusher from the interior who still has that juice left over, unlike an Aaron Donald, who's kind of is declining a little bit. Uh, still still a hell of a player, don't get me wrong. But uh, Chris Jones, he he's that dude that I really, really think that he would um, he would open up so much for Micah as well. I mean, you talk about the stunts that those two could run. You talk about um, who do you double team between him and Micah. It's just a no-brainer. If he gets on the free uh, open market, go find a way to get that dude. He is a monster. Um, 
So I saw somebody up here bringing up uh, Xavier Leggett, which is the South Carolina wide receiver. They got him at 6'3". He's actually more like 6'1", 220 something. Um, supposedly can run a 4'3". Um, <clears throat> I did a scouting report on him. I thought he was very, very good. I I, I probably am going to have him. Um, I haven't scouted every single wide receiver. Still haven't scouted Roma Dunze. Um, but out of those guys, I think he's uh, third overall in the wide receivers for me right now, behind obviously neighbors and uh, Harrison Jr. What what was your thoughts on him if you watched him? I've seen him. Oh, I have mixed feelings about him because he's he's had he had a great season. You know, what I'm saying he he had a great season, but this was really the only season that he had with that kind of production. Yeah, stuff yep. like that sort of scares me. Because I don't know if that was a flash, flash in the pan moment for you that you can not only replicate but replicate at a higher at a higher level, right? It, you can have you could be a thousand yard wide receiver in college, you know, but it, that's very hard to do in, at the NFL level. But the physical traits are there, like you said, he's not quite six three like they initially said six one. Game speed, the game speed looks like he he is a four three guy, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. that, like he he definitely moved. If he's not a four three guy, he at least had the explosive ability on the field. Because you know, forty times not nothing. The game speed is really, really what you want to look at. Because most of the time you're not running in a straight line any damn way. This was my scouting report on him. Leggett is a smooth runner that has true runaway speed that translates to the next level. Pairing that with his body profile of six three. This is before the the. Um, Actual official numbers came out. 227, you've got yourself a bona fide X receiver that's got serious uh, upside. Natural hands catcher, has a wide catch radius and overall strong hands. Solid and contested catches. Impressive body control up and against along the sidelines. Uh, Quick acceleration and ability to gear down just as quickly, allowing him to set up DBs on the double moves, the sluggos, hitches, comebacks. Um, Comfortable moving back towards the ball underneath effectively sealing the uh, DBs from clicking and closing on balls that lack some velocity, Um, effective at boxing out DBs, Uh, nice timing on um, high-thrown balls where he can go up and get it, Uh, plus in the return game as well. And uh, I think that he can plant, cut, and really explode as a yards-after-the-catch receiver. All of that sounds like the perfect pairing opposite of C.D. Lamb, in my opinion. I would really honestly, yes, you talk about the the weaknesses with him is just that only one real um, um, year of high production. But man, he's got that that juice that is is I've I've said that we, we've been find. searching since. So yes, yeah, hard to find. Yeah, I think we've been searching for a guy that can take a, a simple slant to the house since a Des Bryant, young Des Bryant, whenever he was doing that, and so. Um, it's one of those things, man. If you can get one of those guys, pair him with CD Lamb, I really like it. And you can say, oh, we're good at wide receiver, but Cooks is on a one-year deal. You're probably letting go of Gallup. Tolbert, you hope that you see that growth, but you don't really know. Jalen mm-hmm. Brooks, he's a late-round guy. Turpin's not – he's a slot-only receiver, really. So do you really have that bona fide X wide receiver if you do let go of Gallup? I don't think you do. That opens up a, a huge role in this offense. And uh, it's one of those things, man. I would probably be okay if you told me that he slid. I expect him to rise um, during the draft process and especially the combine. But if you told me he slid to the first, uh, to what is it, 24 that we pick, mm-hmm. I, I might take the shot depending on the other players there, man. He, he's that good in my opinion. Um, let's I like go him. Through, go through some more of these comments. 
Uh, Autry, Malachi, Corley, Western Kentucky, 5'11", 2'11", or, yeah, 2'11", 4'4", wide receiver, yards off the catch, master, low-key, a second-round pick. I have not watched him, so I will add him to my list. Have you watched him at all? I haven't watched him. I got a name for you, though, that I I like, but uh, I'm not sure what they got, what happened stated it. What are your thoughts on Torrey Horton? Who? Sorry, who? Torrey Horton. I haven't watched him yet. So, uh, wide receiver, Colorado State. You should you should check him out. Oh no no no, Horton. Okay, um, I I'm familiar with the player. I did before I got any all twenty two. Uh, I looked at him a little bit, uh, just broadcast stuff. Um, I did like him. Um, I'm thinking probably third round, but I haven't actually f- scouted him. Um, but yeah, he's an intriguing player, man. He's, he's got a, he's, he's one of those guys that they can play X. Um, so I need to watch him more. Um, I think I've only scouted like 11 wide receivers. Um, but yeah, I, I'm interested in that guy. Uh, he popped off the screen in that, um, in a lot of Colorado state games. I actually, I think I watched like three Colorado state games, uh, this past season, especially the there they also Colorado State also has that that pretty decently good tight end as well. Yeah, I like them. I um, like him a lot. That dude's a beast. And then uh on their their uh edge, uh uh Muhammad or whatever, uh he's pretty good as well. So they've got some guys, honestly, for uh Colorado State. Um apparently Roman Wilson impressed at day one of the senior bowl. Have not watched Roman Wilson yet. Um is he he was the Michigan wide receiver, right? I believe so. It's hard to just go it's off. So the early, dude, and, it's and so so the... early in the in the the process of this stuff. Um, let's see Please. if anybody else had any any um college prospects. People people just saying, yeah, keep Cooks up there. Um, <clears throat> and Falcon confirmed that yeah, he was one of the uh, Michigan wide receivers. Um, Troy yeah, Frank, I think that yeah. those. The Michigan wide receivers aren't one of those guys that I think or any of them are really um, second-round guys, probably later third into that day three um, area for me. Uh, but I haven't really watched them on film like that. So maybe it was, you know, J.J. McCarthy not um, finding the open man. You know, maybe they were really creating a separation downfield, but they're such a he- run-heavy um, attack there that it's, it's you know, kind of null and void. Um, Speaking of that, can I ask you a quick question? Oh, what are your thoughts about this JJ McCarthy hype, man? Because I don't see it. So I, I, I watched, just, I just don't see JJ McCarthy being a first round pick franchise quarterback uh, for really any team, man. I'm, I'm not saying that as a knock or anything. I, I just don't see JJ McCarthy being that kind of quarterback. Like, I think you probably could yeah. win with him, but I, I, I don't see. How, how I was on everybody first round. Great. I really wanted to see JJ McCarthy actually air it out in the playoff games and stuff like that. Uh, the actual national title game, I think he only had like 16 pass attempts or something crazy like that. So it, it's one of those things, man. His eval is so hard because they don't ask him to go and throw it around the yard, man. They, one thing I've heard among scouts is that they really do think that he's a winner. One of those guys that have that pedigree, that that mentality, that believes in himself and uh, believes in his process. You saw on the sideline and stuff like that. He has his own uh, shrink on the sideline, and he brushes his teeth with his left hand and stuff like that. I don't know how much I really play into that stuff, but 
I do think that uh, at the NFL level, they're starting to understand like, hey, these guys that win in college, they can start to win in the pros. We've seen it with the Brock Purdy's. We've seen it with uh, Dak Prescott. I mean, he took a, a nobody program to uh, the number one spot in the nation. We've seen it with so many other guys um, in the past that have been really good in college, but they kind of dropped down. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I mean, how good was he at Clemson? He dropped down the board, obviously still a first rounder, but it's it's almost like they overthink the, the traits too much a little bit. I don't love McCarthy. I still think uh, May, Williams, um, uh, uh, LSU kid, um, no, yeah, uh, Dang. Bo Nix, uh, Penix, you know, all of those guys I probably have over him. Um, but I haven't, like, I, I really focus on needs for the Cowboys a lot of the time. So I haven't even watched really any of the um, all 22 footage. I, I did watch a little a little bit of J.J. McCarthy, though, one night. Can't even remember who was who it was against. But um, let's just say he didn't pop off the screen with the, the throws he was making. It was all in rhythm, and I think that if you're looking at somebody that's like, hey, can you run this offense and do the things required, I would take Bo Nix over J.J. McCarthy because I think that in rhythm, first read type stuff, Bo Nix is very good in structure, and he can buy you time with his legs, and obviously J.J. McCarthy can do some of that stuff with his legs as well. He's an underrated athlete, truthfully, but um, man, it, it's so hard with QB, QB. The evals on those dudes is just – it's almost like a – throwing a dart at a board and hoping that you hit the bullseye. Um, so um, I did see a question uh, about Blake Corum, um, which I actually have scouted. I thought that Blake Corum was um, a two, three kind of a guy. Um, I don't have any first-round running backs. I don't know if you've scouted any of those guys yet. I mean, um, I don't I don't have a first-round running back either. Probably yeah, the guy that would have been closest was Brooks, and I wouldn't take him in the first round now due to injury. And even I, and even he, you know, same issue I had with uh with Leggett, one one real year production. Yeah, but <laughs> he, he was stacked behind. Obviously, you got um uh Johnson, Roshan Johnson, and then you got mm-hmm. Bijan. So he was he was he was buried in that depth chart a little bit. So I understand it from his his point. Um, but yeah, he was impressive, man. When he was on the field, he was very, very shifty. He was, he picked up hard yards, man. He could take contact. He could continue to run in between the tackles outside. Didn't matter. So I really did like Brooks. I did have to knock him down because of the injury a little bit. I think right now he's sitting at, uh, my RB four, but all of my guys, like all of my guys are right there. Um, so you tell me, oh, we lost, uh, uh, Corum who's next. Oh, uh, uh, Bucky. Uh, Irving, he's next. Oh, okay, we just lost him. Oh, Benson. Okay, we're good. Yeah, well, any of those guys, man, are they? They're a little bit of different flavors. Um, I think the biggest difference, obviously, between those guys, um, that I have kind of high on my list is uh, Braylon Allen, just because he's so big, so um, different than those guys, and he's so young. He's like twenty years old, so um, needs to polish up as a, as a, a pass protector. But overall, I think that if you can get him third fourth round um you got something in, in that guy because he is uh big he's more electric than derrick henry i know the, the the henry comparisons are there um but man he's he's one of those guys i would take a shot on because he's so young and he he has so much potential that i just don't think that he's really tapped into yet um and then uh um uh what's my guy 
uh, Audric Estime from Notre Dame. I really, really liked that guy. I just he reminded me a little bit of a DeMarco Murray, just the way that he ran. He kept his arm up like DeMarco used to do, you know, ready to to hit the stiff arms and stuff like that. Um, talk about balance, just talk about vision. He uh, sometimes he 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 bounces runs outside a little bit too much for my liking, but other than that, man, I really did like a lot of these guys that I scouted as far as running backs. So, um, Autrys wanted me to drop into my top five running backs. Yeah, I'll just roll through them really quick. Um, I gotta find my list. Um, for me, and I'm an Oregon fan, so maybe I'm a little bit biased on this, but <laughs> I do. I I did have Bucky Irvin as my number one. I just thought that for such a compact guy. He had such a, a a raw ability to break tackles and stay up after the contact, and then he has enough speed to finish the run. Um, needs to improve a little bit in the receiving game, um, and obviously, I didn't like how like I don't like his game translating as much to the pro level as say a Michigan um, running back that does take more snaps. Um, you know, f- not from the pistol and 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 looks like that or direct snaps like some some of the uh, snaps that Bucky took. But overall, just just going through this really quick. Uh, nice job bouncing runs outside to gain extra yardage. Great vision, patience out of the backfield. Good situational awareness at the position. Meets contact low behind his pads. Does a nice job keeping his feet moving to gain extra yardage. Consistently finds cutbacks lanes. Ex- uh, exhibiting burst after his plant to ex. ex- uh, uh, exploit over pursuit from the linebackers. Nice wiggle, shimmy steps, does all the running back stuff, stiff arm spins, jukes, all that good stuff. Um, biggest weakness was just not good in pass pro. He's a smaller guy, 195. Um, so that's where that is. Uh, Blake Quorum is my second rated running back. Uh, just highly productive at Michigan. You talk about a guy that has the contact balance, has the vision. Um, he's, he's better than giving credit for in the run, in the, in the past, uh, uh, past pro department. Um, I think that he's, he's pretty good as a receiving back as well. I just think that if you really asked him to be a bell cow guy, um, I, I think he could do it. It's just how long, because he has so much tread off of his tires being in that system where they ran him into the ground season after season. He also has some injury history. Um, so it's one of those things, you know. Uh, pick your flavor. Uh, Trey Benson was my number third guy, uh, Florida State running back. Um, thought that he possessed a rare stop-start ability um, out of the backfield. Excellent, excellent combination of size, speed, acceleration, vision. Um, he transferred from Oregon actually to Florida State, so familiar with him a little bit. Um, can be a big factor in the screen game. Uh, runs routes pretty precisely for a running back out of the backfield. Um, uh, t- can shed break tackles all that good stuff uh then i had jonathan brooks we talked about him a little bit and then i had audric Estime as well um and that finished out my my top five so i liked a lot of those guys man i just it's one of those things follow your stack you know if if you lose one don't trade up to get one because you feel like they're so much better than the other guys i think relatively you can get the same amount of production out of any of those guys as long as the blocking up front is good Okay. So let me ask you your thoughts on uh, one running back you did not name. What you think about Will Shipley from the Clemson Tigers? Will Shipley, I got him right here. He's my number seventh ranked uh, running back. So solid vision, patience, understanding of the position to follow blocks and explode past them when necessary. Enough athleticism to bounce well-defended runs directed to the inside, back outside, and pick up positive yardage. Um, 
when the play would have been dead. Otherwise, impressive ability to make defenders miss in open space. Um, solid pa pass catcher out of that pistol formation, especially on running back option routes to the middle. Um, constantly picks up positive yardage when the point of attack is won by the interior O-line. Um, so that just means he's, he's following his blocks. He knows he has that IQ to follow his blocks and get those um, yards up the middle. Um, he has the collection of spins, jukes, stiff arms, which I always count those things because not enough running backs do that. And nowadays uh, they just try to run past people. So I like right. to see those moves on film. Uh, solid hands out of the backfield, obviously utilized a little bit more in the receiving department this year uh, from years past. Um, I think that he uh, his tape shows a running back that consistently makes linebackers and safeties miss when given the opportunity. Um, but obviously trying to shed those D linemen and stuff like that, he's he's not as good in that department. <clears throat> um, weaknesses, I said he was a tough runner but can get stood up when meeting contact a little bit. Needs to improve on playing behind his pads when the goal line territory or it's third and short. Uh, doesn't do a good enough job driving his feet when met con met with contact. Uh, lacks overall power at the position. Uh, currently not a good enough blocker uh, to be an NFL three down back in my opinion. And uh, had some problems with ball security. Eight fumbles over his career. So, liked him. Didn't love him. Um, I would have those first four guys. I'd probably, I, would, I would actually probably kick up uh, Audric Estime in my top five stack. Um, and then Braylon Allen and Will Shipley are kind of in that next, next order. So, um, I, you know, I think that he was a productive back at Clemson. I just don't. I wouldn't say that he's one of those guys that make you feel like, oh, we got a difference maker if you draft him. Right. And I can I can agree with that. Like I said, he didn't even have a thousand yards this season. So you know, did like you he's like a, him a little bit? He's he's decent. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a because the reason I ask our top five is about the same. I think everybody top five for the running back class is about the is about the same. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So there are some some fringe guys, and then there's some guys I've been looking at in, in the later rounds, like you talk about late round uh possible running backs to pick up you know i really liked uh gore like jr frank, yep i was yeah. just about to say frank gore jr yep yeah I, I smaller really school guy gore but you know he I, I i like him and he's at the shrine bowl i believe so um did you get a chance to go up there man i have not been able to go, uh, to go up there i was supposed to go up there to uh tomorrow but um uh, i have some shit uh come up uh Health wise, so I couldn't actually make it make it up that way. But you know, uh, I definitely wanted to see him live in the person. He said, "Uh, the black Mike Fisher, be fatty. I missed you too, man. Thank you for the uh for the engagement." Yeah, for sure. Um, is there any other prospects that you've been looking at that you would want to highlight, or should we kind of wrap it up? Um, what, what I mean, what's your thoughts, man? We can look. We can take a look at some offensive alignment if you wanted to, because I know that's a hot topic right now. I um, um, scouted one. Who 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 have you scouted? Um. Uh. What's I can't even say his name. Uh, the, Is it Powers Jackson? No, no. He he's really really good. And like I said, I'm an Oregon fan, so I'm already familiar with him a little bit. Uh, very very good center. Um, but no, the Oregon State uh right tackle, uh Felici uh uh. Fuanga, I think is his name. Let me search it up so I don't. I'm not. I'm not wrong about it. Um, yeah. Oh, Felici Mr. Fuaga. 
Hold on one second. Uh, Regina Green asked, do we think we will tag anybody? I don't think anybody gets tagged this go around because there's nobody that's deserving of a tag. You can't tag CD Lamb because he's already on his yeah. fifth year option. You can't tag Michael Parsons. He got years left. There's really, no, there's really nobody. The to main tag. names. Yeah. The only person that you, man, both of these guys are so up there in age. Uh, Tony Pollard would be too much. Mm-hmm. J-Ron, I don't want J-Ron back. I don't want, you know, Jordan Lewis okay if you say that he's on the team-friendly deal. Dante Fowler wouldn't want to see back. I want to see a little bit more Sam Williams in an actual role that's accustomed to him instead of Gunner. I don't understand that. Uh, right. Uh, so, you know, I don't th- I don't think so unless you really wanted to go all in on Tyler Biotish, but I don't like that. Please, no. So, yeah, I, I, I would probably say no. Um but yeah, I've only watched the one tackle uh, for Oregon State. I thought he was a a, a a mauler in the run department. Thought he was very good in inside zone runs. Um, I didn't see him getting over his skis too much. That's one thing I look for in offensive tackles. I will not say I'm an offensive tackle guru. Uh, go to Vach or or you know Brian Broadus for those guys uh, for for scouting on offensive tackles and and interior guys, but. Um, I liked what he saw, man. And, and one of those guys that I think can help your run uh, um, game instantly. I mean, listen, we, we keep talking about the ability to run the football. So unless we address it up front as well, you know, it doesn't really matter the running backs you bring in. Yeah. So I, I'm all for, you know, bringing in some, some better blocking offensive alignment, right? Because, uh, Trench warfare is, is the most important thing. If you can't win, win up front, offensively or defensively, you're going to have a, a long ass, long ass day. So I don't mind going out there and and getting, uh, getting a guy like that or getting uh powers no powers Jackson uh, from Oregon or yeah. maybe trying to see what the boy uh Morgan from Arizona does. Even though I have some questions about his his ability to consistently pass block at the NFL level. Like, I do. I do still have questions. Morgan, about Morgan, just from and I haven't scouted him. I haven't watched any film on him. But just from what I've heard, Morgan has played a lot, a lot of football over the past three years, and he had an injury um, that held him back. But then I guess he came back this year, and he bounced straight back into uh, prime. You know, it, it wasn't like a Terrence Steele situation. He didn't take time. He was back, and he was full fledged. He's an athletic guy. Um, he's one of those guys that I really think could be there in the twenties, uh, all dependent upon how we, we feel as a franchise, because if there's one position I feel good about drafting in the first round, it's offensive tackle or offensive line somehow, some way, because just our track record, I mean, Tyler Smith, Tyron Smith, uh, uh, Zach Martin, Frederick, uh, shoot, who am I missing? Anybody else? Um, I mean, just talking about those guys, man, that's a, a, an amazing track record. So if we do pick offensive tackle or transition them in guard, whatever it is, or center, uh, I feel good about that, man. I really do. Oh, yeah. Like, listen, if they pick an offensive lineman in, in the first round, you know, I, I'm going to just trust it from there on out. Because I had questions about Tyler Smith coming out, and, you know, I was thankfully wrong about, about him. So you know, yeah. whatever move they make uh, uh, offensive line uh, in the first round, I'm a, I'm gonna live with it because, like you said, the track record says they get it right nine times out of ten. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- have you watched uh, Graham Barton out of Duke? I have not. So he's an offensive tackle, but he 
supposedly has position flex, can play all five positions. Uh, played some center his freshman year. Now, here's the caveat. He's a big dude. He's like 6'7", I believe, so that's a big center, uh, in, you know, in the middle. But, um, you know, he's one of those guys, man. They love position uh, flexibility, and you talk about not knowing the trajectory for your offensive line in the future. Who who knows who retires first, Zach Martin or Tyron Smith? Who knows what happens with Tyler Smith? Is he a uh, career guard? Does he kick out to left tackle? Um, what happens with Tyler Biotis? All of those questions can be answered. Obviously, you don't want to reach on the guy, but if he has that position flex where he can hit any of those positions and you feel good about him, um, he's an intriguing prospect, man. Okay, so um, I'm going to have to check him out. He said his name was Graham Barton. Mm-hmm. Now I I have another one for you that was uh a buzz name floating around right now Tyler Guyton tackle out of uh, Oklahoma yes so Tyler Guyton um from what I've heard he's a big guy too I think he's six seven as well um but he's he's a um kind of cut from the same cloth of like a Tyron Smith he's a specimen like he's big um he's athletic. Um, I think really it's all about his his technical stuff. Like, is he really um, up on all those, you know, push-pull techniques? Does he play his hands well? Does he, um, you know, flash the one hand to, to act like he's going to, you know, push you off and then take it down and push you with the other? You know, all of those little nuanced things. I don't think he's quite there. I haven't watched him. Like I said, like, I haven't really gotten into these offensive tackles. Um but, you know, f- just from what I'm hearing from the guys that I trust, the Dane Brulers of the world, um, you know, the Brian Broadduses and stuff like that, he's an intriguing prospect, and he could be one of those uh, risers late in the draft season because of his uh, physical tools. So did you get a chance to watch him? Uh, not as much as I, as I wanted to. I just started offensive line not too long ago. He's not. He's not, he's not super high on my list. Like, uh, usually when I do draft, I start with the guys that I know. I'm an Arkansas Razorback fan. I saw a lot of people trying to give love to Bo Limmer. I don't really see it myself personally. He's a, a 6'5 center. Uh, but we had a, a lot of issues protection-wise, and he was not a solution in, in, in that aspect. I like him. I think that he has decent strength. But, you know, I'm I'm not really a, a, big, fan, a big fan of, of Limmer. That that was, that was somebody they were trying they were trying to hype up that I'm familiar with, um, somebody that I do uh, got a got a lot of love for though. Um, let me see, let me pull up pull up my list for the guys that I had already scouted. Yeah, go ahead. All right, so J.C. Latham out of Alabama. Now I I really okay. like I I really uh like like him as a prospect. Latham, have, he's he's a true right tackle, isn't he? Yes, like I'm okay. concerned. You know, I, I have some uh some concerns about him, but um, you know, overall he's strong. Uh, he he had a lot of time on tasks. He started started a decent amount of games uh for them, mm-hmm. but um, I don't I don't know if the, if the Dallas Cowboys would be willing to move on because just given the fact that they just paid uh Terrence Steele, I don't know if they're at that level at the front office to admit that they made a mistake and double down on a position that they, that they just paid. That's, that's one of, one of my concerns. I saw his issues in pass pro for Terrence Steele, and that needs to get better, but I don't really know if the Dallas Cowboys would even, even address it. He would have to, he would have to show that he can play 
um, left tackle or right tackle. And that's that's easier said than done. I don't think a lot of people realize how different that is because, you know, when you're asked to play one, you're planting with one foot and you're, you're kicking with the other one to get out wide or you're driving in the run game uh, to get to certain blocked areas. And um, it's one of those things. It's completely it's, – it's almost like shooting with your left hand in basketball. That's how it is to, to transition from the one side to the other. And obviously, these are the best athletes in the world. You know, they're, they're going into the draft. They're, they're, you know, they should be able to do it. But, man, you can't bank on that, especially somebody that's always played right tackle at Alabama. And uh, I think that he even had the option to go kick over to left tackle at one point, but the coaching staff opted to not. Um, so I, I would like to hear the full story of that if they were like, no, we'll keep you over here because you're good enough to stay over here. We feel good about that. Or eh, we kind of tested some things out and we didn't really like what we saw at left tackle. So um, one of those things you want to dig a little bit deeper into. Uh, Troy Franklin got brought up here, 6'1", 190, might run a 4'2". He's in the top tum, uh, top 10 somewhere. Top 10 overall players, I don't think so, and I'm an Oregon fan. Uh, mm-hmm. Top 10 wide receivers, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I like Troy Franklin. There's a bunch of wide receivers that, that I'm I'm already uh, hip to. Of course, Xavier Worthy, uh, Adonai Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you talk about Marvin Harrison, who I don't even bring up because there's no way in hell yeah, he'll no be way. there. Yep. Like, no way in hell neighbors um his running mate over there people don't don't realize that his running mate is is the one that actually led the team yes in in receiving touchdowns so um there's a there's a ton of good wide receivers in this draft even if you wanted to wait to the third to the third or second round to draft the wide receiver there should be uh, a prospect there that you could pair with cd lamb right because um we named all those people we didn't even mention legit yet yeah no, I mean, you talk about the stack, and it, we didn't mention a Dunze. Uh, exactly. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. I really did like Xavier uh, Worthy on tape. I thought that he he had shades of Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison was my number one wide receiver last year. Um, I think that I think he finished second amongst rookie wide receivers. Obviously, Puka Nakua went crazy. I had mm-hmm. I had Puka Nakua higher than most people. I did not have him in the first round, but. Uh, you know, he was, yeah, he went crazy. Um, but, yeah, I think that Xavier Worthy, slider build, but, man, he is so dangerous with the ball in his hands. Um, I We talked about it earlier. A guy that can take uh, a play, a simple slant, and take it to the house. He has that type of speed. He can win in all three levels of the field. Has good hands. Um, shows nuance to his game at the top of his routes. Um, I, I really do like him catching the ball. Uh, with the back to the defenders because he had he has that little fake and then turn up field um I, I liked him it's just his build is so slight so is he a jordan addison that can still produce year one or is he more in the shades of a Jalen hyatt that only can be utilized in the slot and really only on those goes those posts those deep routes um you know you know question will be answered i guess whenever he gets drafted but I don't really personally like Xavier Worthy as much paired up in Dallas just because I feel like he kind of takes out a little piece of C.D. Lamb's game, moving him into that slot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those things. You know, I, I'm not, I'm I'm never impartial to getting another playmaker on my team, and I, I think that's what he is. Right. Then where do you think Keon Coleman falls? Keon Coleman, I'm going to be dead honest, I didn't like him as much as other people. 
I, really? I just didn't think that he separated as well as, as I anticipated. And that's my number one thing. When I look at a wide receiver from college, I see what is the players around you look like? Because mm-hmm. if you're the only dog on your team and you're still producing, I put you up a, a lot for that. So like a Malik Washington, for me, is high on my wide receiver board because he was the only player um, you know, there for his team doing stuff. And I think he caught like 100-some balls uh, this last season. Keon Coleman is a little bit opposite. I do think that Keon uh, was held back a little bit by Jordan Travis um, in some respects. I just... It's one of those things, man. I put a premium on separation, and he didn't separate enough for me. I thought that he was good in contested catch situations. I'll just read his his scouting report if you want me to real quick. Yes, please. Um, off the top, man. I've watched so many players. It's it all, it all gets mashed into <laughs> one thing. So it's one of those things. Um, combination of length, size, speed, strength, coveted at the next level. True X wide receiver that can win against press man. Uh, got a ton of free releases in college, however, or soft zone. Uh, has a wide catch radius, can haul in 50-50 balls, struggles with completing catches through physical contact. Uh, I know people said that he was good, uh, you know, absorbing hits and still coming down with it. The three games that I watched, he was not. Um, maybe I need to look into that a little bit more. Has some wiggle to his game um, in the open field. Can be utilized in the return game with his combination of vision and balance. Um Excellent timing when going up and getting high balls. Dual sport athletes. He played at Michigan State basketball and uh, football. Uh, can be excellent in the, the red zone. Um, and this is one of the things. Like, If you told me, hey, we got you Ke- Keon Coleman. We're going to let go of Michael Gallup. I wouldn't hate it because I feel like he, he fits that role. And right. he's better um, now accustomed to the game. However, my weaknesses. Yeah, and bigger. My weakness is not a route technician. Lacks sharpness, suddenness, and nuance at the top of his routes that causes NFL uh, DBs problems. So he rounds off his routes, uh, doesn't have that know-how to um, you know, fight with the DB along the sidelines and not get squeezed so it allows a throwing window for your quarterback. Stuff like that I just saw pop up a little bit on tape. Doesn't have a great release package. Good in jump ball situation, but has to get better hauling in catches when met with physical physicality. Uh, which the uh, safety coming and blowing you up over the middle. If the quarterback puts it on your hands, you got to catch it regardless if you're taking the hit, dog. Right. Um, needs to improve his blocking. Uh, for such a big wide receiver, I thought he was going to be a dog in the blocking department. He was just okay. Uh, felt like he was avoiding contact a little bit too much for a big guy. Uh, Would have liked to see him land a hit or two on DBs just to let them know, like, hey, I'm I'm here, I'm big, I can hit you and make you feel it. He, uh, I, I just felt like he could have done a little bit more of that. Uh, feels almost like an athletic tight end. <laughs> I didn't want to roast this dude, but I just felt like that's kind of what he felt like to me. I didn't see that raw, like super athlete. I f- it felt more like he's good. I like him, but he's good against college DBs. Can he do the same thing and outmuscle NFL DBs? That's my biggest thing. Is can you do that? And I I, I just don't know, man. It is one of those things. It's a hard evaluation because if you told me. Hey, Keon Coleman's the best wide receiver from this class. Well, okay, I probably would say no way because there's other guys. I think Malik Neighbors and, and Harrison Jr. are so much better. But mm-hmm. if you told me, hey, he was the fourth best, third best wide receiver from this class, I'd be like, dang, I was wrong on him because I didn't see that separation. I didn't see that strength that will translate unquestionably to the NFL. I think he's going to have a hard time early on in his career. Um, 
but it's one of those things, you know, can he stick with it and can he get better at the things that he's lacked at Florida State? Okay. Did you hey, like my, him? Did I did I kill your dreams right there? <laughs> not not really, because uh, the one thing I will say, because I'm, I'm open to any of these wide receivers, I don't really have a pet cat because I don't really believe the Dallas Cowboys will, will invest in that. If you told me like my boy Tory Horton was on the uh was 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 down there in the third or fourth round, and we passed on him. I might feel a a, a little uh mm. against that. Or if so, something crazy happened, let's, let's say replace, there's no- ah, let's replace one Colorado State wide receiver with another one. Send Michael Gallup yeah, off, send, off send Michael to, Gallup the, to the gulag yeah. and get Horton in here. Yeah, see, I wouldn't mind that. But in, in regards to like the first round wide receivers. You know, if you were to tell me that any one of them fell to 24, like I feel like the Dallas Cowboys still might pass on them. Mm. Just just uh given just given the fact that uh you're already finna pay CD Lamb, I think it's a good idea to get a wide receiver in the first round. Let me just throw well, that out there. It it is out of like all the the positions I've scouted thus far, it does stretch the longest out of all the positions I've I've really dove deep into. So if you told me you waited on a receiver in the first round and passed on one, I mean, as long as it's not neighbors, uh, Leggett, I, I really do think Leggett is going to just take the league by storm. I think that he's in that DK Metcalf cloth. Obviously, didn't didn't he doesn't have the same height as DK, so that that comp kind of gets skewed a little bit. But man, I really feel like he's going to get that treatment. Like, oh, he had that okay uh, production year, and then the other ones were kind of bad. He's he's a great athlete, but do we really trust that he's gonna? I think he is. I I really do think he's gonna translate. Now, see, I think like oh, uh, like like I said, the guys that shouldn't be there. One of them feel like I I would have a damn heart attack if the Dallas Cowboys pass on them. If Rome wasn't is there, you pass on them. I feel some type of way. If neighbors there and you pass on them, I feel some type of way. Yeah. Hell, at this point, Brian Thomas is 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 a is a, is a friend first round pick in in my opinion. Like he's a friend, mm. first round pick, uh, second round pick, in my opinion, because that's that's damn good. I think production. I think Brian goes first round. Yeah, because if he's there at twenty four, I I would take him, because you know, like he got the size, he got the he got the production, the seventeen touchdowns, and like you said, if you get rid of Michael Gallup, that's the mode of wide receiver that you need, and I think he's a, a way better athlete than Michael Gallup is. So yeah. like if somebody like that were to fall into uh the later round, the later rounds of the first round and, and be there. Like I I would uh would be upset, but like you like you stated, man. Like these this is a super deep wide receiving, wide receiving uh, draft class. So if we were, were to wait second round, third round to, to pick one up, I wouldn't lose no sleep. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. We're gonna have to reconvene this draft talk when whenever we finally scouted more people because this was fun. Just this last little bit of time talking about the guys. I lost track of time a little bit. Um, so my meeting. That I have after this, uh, forgive me, the person that I'm supposed to be on the meeting with. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm bad at that. Um, but man, uh, Henny, it was a pleasure having you on, man. Let the people know from my side where they can find you, uh, Twitter, socials, uh, YouTube, all that good stuff, man. Yeah, man, it's Henny the Moore reporting live from the liquor store, man. You can tap in at HTM Sports on YouTube, man. Just uh, sub. We're on the road to 2K right now, so come over, support, show some love. Uh, you want to follow me on Twitter? It's at Moore Henny, and on Facebook, it's Henny the Moore, man. So just tap in with your boy. We're gonna continue to get drunk in the liquor store, man. 
Dang. He's he's even plugging the Facebook, man. I don't have the <laughs> Facebook setup. No, um, yeah. If you guys are on uh, Henny side and you would like to check out my channel some more, it is Boys in the Zone. Um, also have it, it's 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 popping up on your screen right there on Twitter as well. So follow that Twitter account. Um, post a lot of uh, draft, you know, analysis and stuff like that. Obviously, Cowboys side of things. I talk about, you know, just just spew my opinions. Um, I'm not watching Cowboys specific film very much, but the college guys, I really dive deep into that stuff and uh, get player breakdowns because I want to see this team get back to the promised land. I'm tired of watching this same, uh, you know, stuff happen. So um, at the end of the day, man, I just want the Cowboys to draft good players. That's all it comes down to. So let's do it. Um, thanks for getting on, man. And we will catch you guys next Tuesday. Uh, peace. Peace.